you're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to I Might Be Wrong. You're listening to Rich. And I'm Henry. And I'm late. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, hello. How are you doing, Rich? I'm all right. How are you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. The, the sun's come out, which nice. is making me smile. Um, how are you doing? How's Bristol? It's good. It's well, we're recording in a very shortly after the storm world, but I suspect when this actually comes out, it'll have been hopefully nicer weather for a week or two. Yeah, we we got a little bit clobbered by the storm. One of our trees is down, but uh, it could have been worse, put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's got to always be a worry when you live in the countryside and you've got like massive old trees basically in your back garden or your neighbour's back gardens. Yeah, trees and just either getting out or getting power are the two big ones because uh, you could get stuck and you could get stuck with that power. So none of those things really happened. We didn't get stuck and the power didn't go. So, yeah, it's been pretty good. I'll, good. I'll take that. <laughs> good. Excellent. Uh, have you been enjoying some of the Olympics? I don't know if you've watched much of it. Yeah, I did actually. I watched the curling uh, because of that course. seems to be the only thing we're good at. Um, <laughs> and we invented it, or the Scots did. So well done, Scotland, for creating yep. a game that we can have a gold medal in. Yep. Good on them. Yeah, I saw a bit. How about you? Yeah, I've been equally uh, entranced by the curling, which happens every four years. I get very, very into it and then forget that it exists in between, which seems a bit unfair. But delighted for Eve Muirhead getting a gold finally after all she's put into the sport and multiple times ending up in like silver and bronze positions. Mm. Have you ever played? I haven't. I think it's one of those sports like... um, pool or that kind of thing where everyone looks at it and goes oh yeah i reckon i reckon i'd be pretty handy at that and then actually it's incredibly hard it's actually brilliant i've played it really um, with some some buddies and it's putting the stone into that kind of target zone isn't actually that difficult so it's okay it's doable as an amateur as a complete beginner it's just the tactics beyond that and everyone's on the ice doing stuff so if anyone's thinking would it be an interesting game to play? It is brilliant. You do have to work out how to slide down the ice balancing on one foot with one slippy foot and one <laughs> stone and your sweepy thing in your hand. It's all a little bit weird. But anyway, um, I digress. We're, this is a music podcast, but do it. Do curling. <laughs> <laughs> should we dive in then? Yeah, well, I think you should dive in because you have bought today's band and you bought an interesting a band that kind of sit in a few genres. Who are they and what do they do? Yeah, so you're right about that, but they're a weird band in that they have multiple different personalities that are basically the same people. They are Solwax from Belgium, from Ghent in Belgium, in fact. And their album, Much Against Everyone's Advice, which is their second album, and it's an album that I absolutely adore. I've been a big fan of it ever since it came out in the late 90s, and I'm a fan of a lot of their other stuff as well, but this is an album that is just... It's a brilliant one for me. It's got memories of my, you know, late school years going into the start of university. It's got some absolutely brilliant tunes on. I don't know if it was released now that it'd be considered groundbreaking, but at the time there were elements to it that were, so we should dive into that. Yeah, I think you're right. And and just I guess we mentioned multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. Which personality are Solwax? That's an interesting question as well, because they've muddied that water in the last <laughs> four or five years with some more recent releases i'm talking about the version that is the alt rock version of the band we'll probably touch on things like too many djs and we'll touch on some of the more recent releases uh, but at the core 
Solwax are brothers David and Stephen Diwali. Uh, other members have cycled in and out over the years. I struggled to pin down exactly what the lineup was for this album, so I'm I'm not going to go into the detail. There's so many members over the years that there's no point listing all of them. If if you care, <laughs> go to Wikipedia where they're all listed out. Right, right. And in terms of their sound, so their debut is very much straight up rock. Because they're from Belgium, they talk about the fact that there wasn't really a massive commercial scene in Belgium for indie music. It's so small that bands just make music that they like rather than worrying about whether they could make music that's successful, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. Well, they're, the, they're our first Belgian band, I think, to come on the podcast. So they are. that makes sense. Potentially our last. I'm yeah, trying to think yes. at the moment whether there are more. I'm sure there are more that I know and love and I've just forgotten that they're Belgian. Anyway... The thing about this album is it's it's on this tipping point where they start to get frustrated about not being able to use more electronic elements in their music and the mm-hmm. fact that they enjoy rock music for gig experience and live, but they also enjoy electronica and dance music and they've grown up with all of that kind of stuff. So hip-hop and they talk about all these different influences on them mm as they grew up and the fact that they had record collections that that spanned all sorts of different things. And one of the things that they started doing around the time of this album was they started DJing sets. So someone nicknamed them the Flying Diwali Brothers for their DJ sets. Oh no, it was their producer. Right. Because when they're in the studio, they'd be bouncing around on his equipment doing all sorts of crazy (laughs) shit at a speed that he almost couldn't contemplate. Mm -hmm. And so he named them that. And then when they started doing DJ sets, they would DJ either before their own live gigs or after their own live gigs if there was an after show. But they were also doing live sets where if they were playing a festival, they'd often be doing like a late night DJ set or they'd even be headlining two different points of the festival they do mm-hmm. you know soul wax would do a friday night set headlining and then the flying diwali brothers or as they also monikered themselves the fucking diwali brothers because they were everywhere at the time they do a dj set that was a headline on a different stage that's awesome which is which is pretty cool and and you didn't really get that really back then bands were bands and djs were djs and the two didn't really mix yeah it was it was rare to see you did every now and then see an electronic band where the front man would often in a live gig pick up a guitar and, and kind of use it or you would see a band who would use some electronic but not really not in the same way that these guys really crossed over um almost at will well this is where it becomes interesting for me because while i was looking into what they're up to at the time and how this all evolved one of the things that I read was that they'd been hanging out with like-minded bands. So Errol Anken, who created the Kylie versus Blue Monday mashup that you might well know. Mm-hmm. I don't know that they necessarily invented the mashup, but they were certainly one of the earliest bands that brought that into the mainstream of doing a mashup of two tunes that really shouldn't work together, and yet somehow they do. So anyone who hasn't heard it, Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head and is it Blue Monday by, I forget who it's by, maybe New Order, someone like that. Yeah, I think it's New Order. Okay, cool. They were also hanging out with James Murphy and Nancy Wang from LCD Sound System, who were also breaking boundaries in terms of those crossover elements of something that's not quite dance, it's not quite indie, it's bits of both, but it's something new and different. Right. There's a great quote 
from Stephen Diwali in Clash magazine looking back on this era where he says now it's unthinkable to be in a position where something is either electronic or band based because everything's made electronically even with rock bands but back then it was a thing and I think people who you know maybe a 10-15 years younger than us wouldn't even think about that crossover between indie and electronica because so many bands have elements of everything in there and it's just yes there are still electronic acts and there are still rock acts but there's so much of a spectrum now that you wouldn't consider that back then it was like well you liked metal or you liked indie or you liked electronica well i think that you you nailed it with the word spectrum because that's what it is now it's kind of you can find your point on that whereas before it was almost a box that you popped yourself in absolutely uh, I want to dive into the album. Let's get into it. The music here is is what I really want to talk about with these guys, more so than their backstory, partly because it's quite a lot about them on the internet, but it tends to be much more focused on their more recent years and too many DJs, and we'll talk a bit about that, but let's get into the music. Cool. Do you want to start with the opening song? Yeah, absolutely. Good. So this <laughs> opens with drums, and it's classic fuzzy soul wax guitar riff. I really enjoy the playing the lyrics here uh and i do throughout the whole album actually the way they play with words and and lyrics and things is is really interesting Mm -hmm. but it's even more impressive when you consider that this is a band that are recording all their music in a second language yeah that is true it is always impressive obviously english nowadays is it's kind of picked up everywhere but i think even what this is 20 years ago I don't think it was as common that you just turned on any form of digital media in Europe and you would have a few American TV channels, which you would probably learn from. But I think it was harder back then to get hold of English media compared to today. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think probably the Belgians have an advantage that they speak a number of different languages anyway, because it's a weird mix there of a number of different languages. And so... Because you're a small country, you probably end up speaking some English because it's a useful thing to be able to do. But there's elements of quirkiness and humour in here that show a real mastery of another language. It's not just singing the literal translation or whatever it would be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and again, there's stuff in here musically that's interesting as well. It's not all just one style or one thing. There's quite american guitar in Mm -hmm. here as well as drum loops and other things that are a bit unusual to hear from a from an indie band of the era yeah some of it even kind of almost scrapes into disco territory on on the album which is just weird um and for me a bit like you actually this is one album i didn't buy it friends had it and it was one of those albums i always wanted to own even though i heard it a lot but it was kind of it was a cool album because you had all these weird influences and you had the indie guitars, you had all this extra extra sound around it. Yep. And straight away you hear that in Conversation Intercom. And you're right about that disco influence. So Saturday, which is the next track, has a very smooth disco, almost jazzy drum sound. Yeah. There's a Too Many DJs remix of this with Billie Jean. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's on, I think, the first Radio Soul Wax mix, which never got released because they couldn't get clearance for all of the stuff that they did right. on it. It's a really cool track, but then that's followed by When Logics Die, mm-hmm. which is a bit more of a slow, beautiful, anti-love song, indie ballad thing. Yeah, this to me always just kind of sets up the next song, but that's my take on it, because you've gone from kind of 
good fast traditional soul wax and then it kind of there's a little lull well it's yeah that's exactly it it almost i've talked about this being an alt rock album or alt rock with some electronic influences but we've only had one rock track because conversation intercom is that but then you have saturday and this track both of which are slowing things down slowing things down and you think maybe this isn't a rock album at all Mm -hmm. and then you get much against everyone's advice which is the second best song on the album it's a great song yes second best song on the album is is pretty much spot on it's a belter it's got that real tension to start with it sort of teases some heavy rock guitars and then it launches into an upbeat bridge that then launches into a feeder-esque power chord led chorus yeah it's it's wonderful I, i love the kind of minor key in the chorus it's kind of there's a lot of tension in the song which is great a little bit angsty i love it yeah and the opening the way it's sort of really low key but you can hear this menace in what's coming before you get that i guess almost foo fighters-esque feedback squawk before the guitar kicks in oh yeah well that's that little feedback squawk. it's it was quite common in the 90s it was one of my favorite things yeah and a lot of bands did it it's a bit of a cliche but whenever anyone got their guitar and just moved a little bit too close to the amplifier it was like oh he's gonna go nuts it's so good so yeah i'm I'm a big fan yeah and this is the construction the whole thing it works so well and it's a track that anytime it comes on the radio or if i stick this album on it will always make me smile yeah Uh, and it at the time it was a one of my favorite songs in existence it was a belter i mean this was released in 1999 and this was proper schoolyard anthem yeah couldn't agree more i'm gonna skip overweight karate kid other than the name because <laughs> it's just more silly wordplay from them and jump to proverbial pants it's a funny name for a song that's so beautiful <laughs> uh, yeah it's pretty soft rock yeah but it includes the line cross your legs and hope to die and the strings in here are great there's just so much to like about it yeah I, and i don't know where the pants bit comes from I've, I've never really dug into it it's always been a bit of an odd title for a song that kind of does sound like a it's a really nice song yeah strings in here so this is a bit elbowish i guess from that perspective and there's definitely some of that side of indie that's influencing some of this mm. they don't use strings a lot but when they do they do a really good job of it. I think their use of many, many different influences and many, many different elements shows the variety of their ability and skill, but they also don't try and throw everything at every track. There's there's a limit to how much they're willing to do in each given track, and, and I think that shows some nice restraint. It does. I mean, if you think of a band like, I don't know, Embrace, I'm not going to shit on Embrace, but I'm just going to say Embrace put strings on every track to make it anthemic, and it's like... I'm a big fan, but it was a bit of a one-trick pony. Whereas here, you will see strings, or you will see disco, or you will see all different different stars. As you say, they're kind of musical chameleons. They'll they'll change colour depending on the song they've got. Yeah, I did have a very soft spot for Embrace back in the day, but they're a band that I've not really gone back to, and maybe that says a lot. Uh, I haven't gone back to them. Um, maybe maybe I'm going to have to go back because. Some of their albums are genuinely brilliant. Oh. Really, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of tracks that will probably make me cry with happiness when I listen to them. Yeah, maybe one for a future podcast. I don't know. I'll give them another listen. We'll haven't see. listened to them for about 10 years, so it's probably worth a go. Yeah, we've got episode number 100 coming up, but I don't think they're quite going to get to be on that one. 
Well, they disagree with you because I think they kept on saying they were the greatest rock band in the world when they get, got into that spat with Oasis. So, but um, so did Kasabian and yeah. saying it doesn't make it true. God, I hate Kasabian. Anyway, let, <laughs> let, we're digressing way too far. Let's let's go back into this. Where are you going next? I'm going to jump to more than this. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of a grunge rock ballad, I think. That's kind of where I've got this in my brain. But I don't know quite why I like this. It's just really pretty... The earnest delivery of there has to be more than this in the chorus is is lovely. And I do like a rock band that can do tongue-in-cheek but can also be straight up and honest and open with its listeners as well. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it because there's, there's humour and also being straight-laced at the same time, which is quite a difficult act to pull off. Yeah, and the end of this as well, it feels very second album Oasis, so maybe that's why I like it. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And they were probably influenced by them... I'm guessing. Absolutely. I mean, you think these guys are coming into creating music, what, five years after Oasis have really hit their peak? You can't not be influenced. Yeah. There's a beautiful Oasis slash Beatles guitar dual thing going on with an acoustic thing. It's all very much in that general area of, you know, Champagne Supernova and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, we have to jump into the next track. Well, this is their best song out of Soul Wax. Too many DJs, I think. Can't disagree with you. It's wonderful. Um, Describe the introduction in three words. (laughs) I had a whole description of the introduction. You just ruined that for me. Oh, I don't know. I mean, the thing about this is that it's brilliant because you have this quiet moment and then this kicks in. And I absolutely love how high quality the drumming and the guitars are and you've just got that offset against someone's really amateurish beatboxing. Yeah, you've got this snare, which again, the snare drum doesn't come out too much on the rest of the album, but here they've gone, this needs a snare. You've got this twangy guitar and it just creates this tension. And then, yeah, this random, badly recorded beatboxing (laughs) comes in. What did your actual description say? that was basically it (laughs) but i couldn't think of how to do that in three words this this is awesome because when it kicks off it really kicks off it does the quiet loud thing again so you get this initial storm and then it all goes a little bit quiet in the the bit that's led off with if only i could sell myself the way that he could i would buy there's that repeated bit there and then it absolutely goes nuts into the chorus of something's got to give yeah it's a little one bar guitar riff and then it just hits the chorus and it's fantastic i was gonna try and think of a time when this music should be best listened to because we often say you know it should be listened to in the summer i think i I think this one is is just got to be seen live yeah i think this is just a pure you want to just be in the front row you want to get absolutely pummeled by everyone and just enjoy it because it's that kind of track we will definitely come on to live stories because i suspect you might have one of this as well yeah a couple (laughs) no maybe just one i'm gonna skip forward a little bit more because weirdly i had a look uh at the cd copy that i have of this album and it doesn't include a track that is on Spotify called My Cruel Joke. So I don't know whether there were multiple different releases of this album and some had it and some didn't, but it's not one that I'd heard. And I Mm -hmm. actually quite like it, but I don't know it well enough to really talk about it. So I'm going to skip that and go to Funny, Mm -hmm. which is brilliant because it's this really menacing thing. It quietly snarls those guitars and the the drums that thump in. And just that refrain of, wasn't it supposed to be funny? Well, so many times we've talked about 
albums which have been really intense and then the final tracks this kind of light closer and it just it it kind of brings you back up to the surface and this doesn't no this isn't a nice beautiful way to finish yeah it's really it's really quite I said menacing already, but I can't think of another word. But like, there's this danger lurking right under the surface of it. Yeah, it's great, and it kind of fits in with the the album cover of this kind of chalk outline of a of a man on the front, kind of on the tarmac. And you know that that's not the kind of album cover that you have for a band that's all kind of sunlight and roses. Well, we didn't really talk about the artwork design on here, but it is to me really really iconic. That chalk outline with it's got a woman standing over yeah. the chalk outline and then the chalk outline has a pair of headphones on. Yeah. Which is just another little quirky weird but quite amusing. They can be serious and they can be a little bit menacing and dark, but they've always got this tongue-in-cheek thing going on or a lot yeah. of the time they do. It's the kind of album cover where if you if you went around to a friend's house, you saw it lying on the table. You you could sit from twenty paces, and you'd know it's the Soulwax album. It's just it's very very iconic, and the the CD as well. So the CD is designed. This was at a time when CDs were literally the only thing that people bought. Maybe there were mm-hmm. still a few people buying tapes, but the CD design is an LP, which I always liked. Yes, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this thing only has one line of lyric, so wasn't it supposed to be funny? Just gets repeated over and over in different ways there's a sample there's a vocal sample in here that isn't that as well but i don't know why it doesn't get boring but it's done in in such a way that it's this constant swirling thing around it yeah it it is very clever and it's it's not your usual album closer so yeah worth worth diving into yeah great baseline as well yeah so obviously you're a massive soul white fan as well did you listen to the other albums particularly so I bought Any Minute Now okay. off the strength of this one. So I didn't own the previous one. I bought Any Minute Now and it's darker. I didn't didn't actually like it too much because it went so dark. There's lots of kind of scuzzy noise and it's kind of quite a full sound. Although I've got a call out E-Talking, which is the first song on the album, which I love. It's quite intense. It's quite noisy. But the, the video for E-Talking, if you haven't seen it, and there's no way you'd be allowed to record a video like this. <laughs> nowadays it's um it shows this guy getting into a nightclub and then when he's in the nightclub they do an a to z of drugs and so it goes around the room and shows people under the influence of all the different types of drugs and it goes through the whole room and you get to w and it's whiskey with a guy puking into the toilet Um, and then you get one guy who's all over the place and he just lists about um five different ones there's a massive k in the floor right like a huge kind of in the, in the bottom of the dance floor, at the very bottom of it, there's this man, and it's and then it, the words come up ketamine, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny, and it's probably why they wouldn't be allowed to record this nowadays. Right, it's a drugs pastiche, but if you know anything about drugs or you know about the scene, just watch it. You'll, you, it's it's quite an enjoyable video, but don't do drugs. I don't think I've ever watched it. I, I will have to go away and have a listen. I basically missed this album completely. I don't know that I really knew it existed at least for another five ten years after its release i had heard ny excuse which i think might have put me off at the time because it's the sort of dance electronica that i wasn't as into at the time yeah it's got these female vocals which kind of chip in over the top in a kind of talky wordy way but um yeah those are actually those are the only two really good songs on the album so not a keeper but but go and watch the video for retalking if you want a bit of a giggle fair enough and at this point this is 2004 
Mm-hmm. And this is still very much a Soul Wax album. W- yep. What about their wider work? When did they start getting really into Too Many DJs? So Too Many DJs is sort of, it's a bit of a grey area because as I mentioned, they were already starting to do a lot of DJ set stuff at the point where, you know, late 90s when Much Against Everyone's Advice came out. And so they were already starting doing things there. And then they got invited to do basically radio show stuff. So they had a weekly radio show on a Belgian station and they sort of became quite celebrity Mm. status in, in Belgium, almost like Belgian celebrity royalty. And so they were doing all of this stuff week in, week out, and it just became more and more of a thing. They were DJing at festivals, like I said, and uh, nightclubs and stuff, and getting a real reputation for producing really impressive sets that yeah. included a very heavy level of mashup-ish type stuff. So when we talk about mashups, as I mentioned, we're talking about somebody throwing two tunes together that work brilliantly and bounce off each other yeah and often the idea is to do it with tunes that you wouldn't necessarily think of so Enya's Orinoco Flow and Prodigy's Smack My Bitch Up is a classic mashup that shouldn't work but does and too many DJs were doing this stuff live and often doing things where tracks would flow into each other so you're not just doing a straight mashup of one versus another track for a track Mm. and then moving on you're flowing from one into another into another and sometimes backwards and forwards between several tracks and so this became a thing where i can't remember i did see this on the research but someone suggested to them that they should actually release recordings of these because they were doing what was known as radio soul wax things and they were basically spending a huge amount of time working out how to set these things together and so i think their record label said to them come to us with a list of tracks that you want cleared and we'll try and get clearance for them and then you can put put something together and so i think they turned up with a list of 150 or something tracks and their record label went away and over the next six to 12 months basically tried to get clearance for as many of them as possible and then off the back of that they released as heard on Radio Solwax Part 2. Part 1 was done live and recorded by people on the internet and they couldn't get clearance for a number of tracks on there. So you can find it on places like SoundCloud and YouTube and things, but there are certain tracks that are blanked, so it's mute for the section of couldn't get clearance for this. Got it. And so I think that was more of a retrospective, people realising this was a thing and giving clearance but they couldn't get it for everything but radio soul wax part two has some absolutely incredible mixing on it it's well worth going away and having a listen to yeah so these guys did salt and pepper versus the stooges for push it like a dog there's basement jacks where's your head at versus peaches fuck the pain away which is a personal favorite of mine in terms of the mixing and then that drops brilliantly into velvet underground's i'm waiting for the man which really shouldn't work but absolutely does you've also got things like destiny's child's independent woman mixed with 10cc's dreadlock holiday which <laughs> makes sense <laughs> but then awesome. that drops into dolly parton's nine to five along with Royksop's apple what Right. Play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And that's the skill, right? You've got a it's it's almost a better mashup if you get two more obscure or two more polar opposite songs. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple more that I've got to touch on. So Skilos, I wish, mixed with Breeders Cannonball is an absolute oh. stroke of genius. Yeah. Because that bass line against the lyrics is 
perfect. Wow, yeah, that I, I haven't heard it, but just yeah, I, I can understand how that would work. Just go and have a listen to the whole thing from end to end. It's about an hour. It's basically, I think, just under an hour long because it was to fit in this hour slot of a radio show. And where can I and all of our listeners find this? Is this Spotify or is this YouTube? I don't think it's on Spotify. I think you might have to go to SoundCloud. Yep. There are various Radio Sawax Part X's up on SoundCloud. Part 2 is the best one and the original one and the one that I would absolutely start with. Cool. Okay, well, that's where I'll go. I should also mention that these guys were the first people to mess around with mixing Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit with Destiny's Child's Bootalicious, which was controversially initially referred to as Smells Like Teen Booty, but that has changed to Smells Like Booty these days. Yeah, I, I do remember that coming out. It's a, it's a great one. Although I must counter this with um, Smells Like Teen Spirit mashed up against Rockin' Robin from the Jackson 5. That is probably one of my favourite mashups ever. That is absolutely the greatest use of Nirvana's Smells Like Teen Spirit in a mashup, but I'd be willing to bet that that never exists if they don't do this first. True. Yeah, good point. Because, yeah, Soul Wax were definitely the ones that were hitting all the headlines with, with this work. Yeah. I've got one more for you that's probably going to be controversial. Go on. So there's a mix of God Only Knows into Billie Jean. Oh, how does that work? <laughs> It shouldn't, but it does. Because how do you go from the emotion of the kind of the end of God Only Knows into... (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. no. We're talking side by side with each other. Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) The jury will be out. I'll go go and check that out. But I'm I'm concerned about that one. Yeah, I think we'll have to leave it there because otherwise I'm just going to sit here naming mashups <laughs> for the rest of this episode uh, but if there are other too many djs fans out there and i've missed some that are your absolute favorites do let us know because i will always always happily go and listen to more of them cool so where do we go next well th- we should mention their most recent album which is called from Dewey, mm-hmm. which is a very electronica heavy album but weirdly was recorded all in one take. So they did 18 individual all in one take versions of this album, decided which version they liked the most, and then mixed one track a day to send off to mastering and then got it straight out because they were just fed up with how the record industry was taking forever to do things. And they were like, we're just, we're just going to do it. That's cool. It is. And it's the kind of thing that you hear about rock bands doing, you know, like Foo Fighters going back to their roots and just recording live in a garage. Garage, you know, Dave Grohl's massive garage home <laughs> studio. Yeah. yeah, but I was going to say that is, that's, I was not going to say common, but it, it's been done quite a lot where, where a, a guitar band will just hook up all of their microphones, just plug everything into a to a good mixing board and just press record but you're right it's not so much the done thing with electronica it's very unusual and i really like it but it also harks back to actually prog rock so there's some nice little hints of pink floyd influence in here as well that they throw in that i'm certain are absolutely nods to pink floyd rather than accidental i think it's great it's absolutely entirely different to early soul wax but it's something that I've been enjoying because I had a listen just out of interest more than anything. And I think I'll probably keep going back to it. Cool. Okay. I, I haven't even started listening to it. So so I will based on that. Yeah, definitely worth a listen. I don't have any tracks that I can pull out of it. I think it's best listened to as a full album, if I'm honest. I might throw a couple of tracks onto the playlist if I decide that 
something's particularly jumping out at me. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. We should talk about live because I've seen them in both Soul Wax and Too Many DJs guises over the years. It sounds like you've seen them live as well. Yeah, I caught the end, frustratingly caught the end of a Too Many DJ set, which was absolutely going nuts. And it was at a, a time when I was um, at a festival and always wanted to be at the front and was desperately trying to get closer and closer because everyone was just having an absolute blast and um, never quite got there. I turned up about two two songs from the end. It was brilliant, but just pure chaos. When, when did you see them? So I've seen them as too many DJs about three times and every time at a festival and every time it's exactly what you say. It's complete carnage. <laughs> I've turned up three quarters of the way through a set. I've seen ones where I've been there from like two acts before, so I'm down mm. the front all sorts the thing that always gets me other than the immense energy and excitement and joy in the crowd which is so much fun everyone's just going nuts and dancing and bouncing up and down is the ability and speed at which they move across the decks so they'll have four decks set up with a couple of mixing desks in between them all and they're basically working across the two but working very very closely in tandem and, and often at odds with each other so i've seen them in the past where one of them goes to put a record on one of the the decks and starts to tear up and the other one just whips it off and throws it away <laughs> to the back or, or back in its back in its packet because they're like no i'm doing this thing next um, awesome. so it's fascinating watching the two of them bounce off each other like that but but incredibly technically impressive to be able to do that not drop the sound work across each other and with each other it's, it's fantastic to just watch their ability while they're doing this stuff oh, that's, how, that's how brothers operate isn't it so yeah that yeah and I, I thought the same thing when when i was watching them they a lot of electronic bands often just stand i mean you've seen the classic craft work kind of like complete yep. like set in stone images and, and these guys are completely the opposite right right um and then i should mention soul wax as a band because mm. One of my early memories of being at a festival was probably my second ever festival it would have been Leeds Festival. Yeah. And I just have what I assume is now a massively overly exaggerated memory of too many DJs coming on, as in the song coming on, and bouncing up and down, like you say, in the mosh pit, because you've got to be right down the front for these guys. There's so much energy there. Yeah. And I remember jumping and taking off on the right-hand side of the stage being bounced heavily sideways and landing opposite the other edge of the stage. <laughs> and it's just like, this is so much fun! Yeah. yeah, there's exaggeration, but at the same time, you can get thrown around quite a lot in a pit in front of a band like that. Yeah, I mean, I just remember loving the breathless energy and the excitement of it all, um, and I'm sure it was probably one of the tamer mosh pits that I've been in now that I've got much more experience, but at the time, it was just such a fun exciting thing to be part of yeah no that's cool and as you say i mean you you nailed it with that talk about energy they, they really do have an ability to 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 get a whole crowd and especially a crowd who can sometimes be a, especially at a festival you get quite a mixed group but they seem to have that ability to kind of draw everyone in yeah i think there's just a genuine huge amount of of joy and energy and musicianship in what they're doing whether it's djing or playing live guitars whatever as a band um yeah. and i think that's really cool and they've also i did can't remember which article it was but one of the interviews that i read they talked about the fact that once they'd got to 
the point of their career where they'd released any minute now they also released a year later a thing called night versions which is almost like a remixed DJized version of any minute now okay. and sometimes they turn up into a venue and judge the energy in the crowd and the people in the crowd and and how that was all looking and go actually we're going to play night versions because we think these people will be more up for that and it will go off if we do that instead of like the standard awesome. guitars version properly reading the room yeah that's a skill yeah, and just that ability as a band to be flexible with your audience rather than just assume that they'll want to listen to whatever it is you've got to play. Yeah, and you've got to be good to do that and also have that kind of breadth to be able to shimmy between songs. But yeah, excellent live. If you get to see them, highly recommended. Yeah, uh, I guess these days more likely to be too many DJs than yeah. Soul Wax, but who knows? And then so so you came across these guys in the 90s, late 90s. Where did they sit in your kind of musical back catalogue? inspiration a one-off i think they the evolution of them into djing and mashups certainly that's something where i'd never really listened to mashups before then and all of a sudden there's all these things and that is now something that brings me a huge amount of joy i love mm. someone's creativity with a mashup is just so delightful when when someone gets one of those right and you're like i have no idea how the hell this works but it does and on multiple occasions gone down a rabbit hole on facebook or whatever finding mashups and posting them with other people also jumping in and posting them. so one of my mates dave he and i went backwards and forwards on this because i'd heard i think it was a metallica remix that included a pop uh individual and so I yeah. pinged him and went, this will annoy you. And he went, no, I've got one that's even better. And <laughs> so it just went backwards and forwards on that, which was great fun. Yeah, I mean, even last week I saw a Carly Ray Jepsen mashed up against Nine Inch Nails. And yeah, mm-hmm. that, it's that kind of thing that is um, is often done quite well. It might even have been that. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that, I think, is probably the bigger influence out of anything. But certainly them being that, starting to cross things over and indie dance electronica suddenly not being entirely separate entities but starting to be more like we said more of a spectrum yeah that's cool yeah how about for you uh what late 90s was kind of very formative for i guess everyone our age and just the introduction of electronica i think that produced bands that i got into i don't think soul wax themselves made me think now I'm not listening to indie music anymore, but I think they were part of a kind of new wave of bands who really took off. I mean, you know, bands like Goldfrap, who appeared probably yep. just afterwards. You can see a whole lot of soul acts in the way that Goldfrap present themselves. Um, and, and there's all sorts of, you know, we could we could disappear off into a whole lineage of bands. But um, yeah, I don't think it really changed the way I was thinking. But um, but this album in particular is one that I've I've kept. It's 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 a classic totally agree and one of my favorites i'm surprised it's taken me this long to uh pick these guys off the shelf and uh and talk about them yeah well actually should we just jump into the little um the anecdote to why you've chosen them because i think you were around here and we were listening to a compilation album and one of the songs came on i can't remember which one it was but it was a soul wax track um, and you spent a good couple of minutes being unable to call it out so i was i played it on my phone and you were sitting there being unable to get it and then once you got it we both suddenly went hang on a second salt wax we, we really should talk about them so yeah i think that's uh, i think it's well worth well worth having a chat about yeah that was a very frustrating evening of me drunkenly trying to remember 
albums, bands, tracks from the late nineties that you were throwing on gleefully, trying to uh, trying to fox me on that. Name that band, but anyway, it, it produced us talking about Soul White, yeah. so I think it was worth it. I will take that any day of the week. All right, thank you for joining us. It's it's been fun for us. Hopefully, it's been fun for you too. And we'd love to hear Soul Wax, too many DJs chat, particularly the live stuff. I think that's that's where everyone really really enjoys these guys. So find us on Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, and uh, and come say hi. Get involved. Cheers, everyone. Cool. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.